Jesus, crucified to death. They thought this was the end. But death couldn't hold him. Come experience the, the truth. Jesus in 3D. Jesus in three days. This one's inside where it's warm. Well, this dumb Star Wars movie had better be worth it. Whoa! You cannot use the words dumb and Star Wars in the same sentence. Okay. It doesn't make the Force happy. Besides, we agreed you would not complain about seeing this movie. Yeah, well, that was before numb fingers and a frostbit nose just to get tickets. But fine, I won't complain. But you better not sigh or grumble one complaint when I wake you up for church in the morning. Oh, oh no. We agreed that if I came to this stupid... Hey! This Star Wars movie, you would go with me to Easter service. Fine. Here are your glasses. All right. Enjoy the show. Here are your glasses. Yay. Now, folks, be sure to check out our new interactive 3D displays while you wait. Sneak in my boots. Well, get it out for Bajo. Yeah. Oh, look at all the people. You better be in line to see our new movie. I don't want to give anything away, but somebody might be getting hitched. Hitched? You mean like hitching my horse to the hitching post? And tied a knot so he can't get away. Yeah! Now, would anyone like to push the button to activate Star Wars? Oh, me, me, me. Pick me. Hey, out of the way, youngling. Before I turn you into Bantha Poodoo. What are you, three? What are you, Killjoy? Welcome to the dark side. It's like he's right here. This is totally wicked! Uh-huh. Death could not withstand the power of the fools. Join me as I return to revive an epic battle between good and evil. It's like Vader's right here next to me. I'm almost feeling breathing down my neck. Look at the hairs on my arms! Wow! The saga continues down the hall. Vader's here! Turn off all your cellular devices, or I will permanently How cool was that? Seriously? How can you get so excited about all this fantasy stuff and totally ignore real life? Because no one in real life comes back from the dead. Oh, really? Hey, what? Come on. Where are we? What's... Betrayed. Beaten. 
and left for dead. The three most intense days of my life, told in a modern day setting. The story of God's sacrifice and power over death. The ultimate love story. Love story? Chick flick? Do they really think that people are going to buy into this guy by making a big budget 3D movie? This coming from the guy with a life-size Yoda in his office. <laughs> Reminds me, make wise choices. He does. How about grown-up choices? <laughs> oh, great. We lost our place in line. But seriously, Grant, how can you mock the story of Jesus? Why do you mock Star Wars? Well, I'm just teasing. And maybe I don't like living in your fantasy world. Well, maybe I don't like living in yours. Jesus isn't a fantasy. He's real. He's living. Do we have to have this conversation now? Well, why not? We have time. The line is not moving for a while. Look, Kelly, it's one thing for me to come to a movie, get excited and all wrapped up in it. But I'm not going to let myself get brainwashed into believing this Jesus guy stuff. Brainwashed? You think I am brainwashed? At least I don't spend all this time and money on R2-D2 ringtones and lightsaber sound apps. Hey, most of those are free. How can you waste so much energy on all this fantasy and totally ignore reality and truth? You really believe this Jesus guy stuff, don't you? Yes. Why don't you? Because I can't see him. And like I said, no one comes back from the dead. I did. Oh my gosh, it scared me. Who pushed the button? What are you talking about? You pushed my button. No, I didn't. Didn't what? Push the button. What button? You pushed my ye of little faith button. Are you talking to me? Yes. Who else would I be talking to? Uh, honey? What? Jesus is here. Yes, honey, I know. Jesus is everywhere. I've been telling you that. No, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> Jesus is right here. Okay, so now you're making fun of me. Or you're delusional from lack of food. I'm going to go get popcorn. Ooh, ask for junior mints. Junior mints? What? You hate junior mints. I didn't say it. Jesus did. <laughs> okay. She can't see me. Look, honey, I'm telling the truth. Jesus is right here. Not there. Here. Not there. Here. I'm ignoring you now. Do you have to make such a scene? Who are you really? Jesus, son of God, Emmanuel, Prince of Peace, Oh, Messiah. I get it. My wife paid you to play a prank on me, didn't she? Good one, honey. You got me. You can knock it off now. Shh. No prank. Hmm. So bad for you, but so good. See, right there! Jesus would not steal someone else's popcorn! Relax. When I'm done, there'll be more than when I started. You know, <laughs> loaves and fishes, water to wine, it's what I do. Fine, Jesus. I'll play along. What could you possibly be here for? Um, to scare me into believing you? Eh, not my style. Seriously? No big production? No thunder and lightning? What a ripoff. Would it help if I did? It might. Part the sea. Turn this 
popcorn in uh, the state. Uh, sir, get your own popcorn. Listen, you've been standing there talking to yourself. Now you're eating my popcorn. Uh, I'm gonna. Hey, somebody. Hey, you, you let him eat the popcorn. Him who? She can't see me either. Uh, no one but you can see or hear me right now. You're crazy. I'm crazy. Listen. Is there a problem listen, here? Listen, Mister. What are you doing? You're talking to yourself. Eating out of my popcorn. Stop. No. My wife couldn't have done this. Hey, this one's not breathing. What? What is... Hello? How... Who... How did you do that? I told you. I'm Jesus. Consider this your thunder and lightning. Uh, I'm officially freaked out now. Well, I just wanted to get your attention. Y you got it. Good. Now, I want you to tell me something, Grant. Do I appear real to you right now? Uh-huh. So, you can trust, then, that what I'm about to tell you is just as real, right? Uh-huh. My story is real. My presence is real. And you're missing out. Now, Grant, when I go, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to ask Kelly why she gave her life to me. Can you do that for me? Yeah. Good. I think we got his attention now. Carry on. So he reached out and he grabbed a handful of my popcorn out of my popcorn. No, no, sir, I'm sorry, no problem. Ma'am, I'm very, very sorry. Kelly, come here. What are you doing? We're going to lose our place in line. I don't care. You don't care? Look, something just happened to me. Obviously. Whether it was my imagination or a bad burrito I had for dinner, I don't know. Grant, people are going in. Look, Kelly, something really... You're going to think I'm nuts. You're scaring me a little. No, no. Look, why don't we have a seat for a minute? Okay. Look, I just... I need to ask you. What made you give your life to Jesus? Really? Really? Wow. Jesus really did get your attention, didn't he? Uh-huh. So, what is it about this guy that you're drawn to? His love. You never change. You are the God you say you are. When I 
that what he says, he'll do. I don't know what to say. I'm sorry I haven't taken you more seriously before now. God knows when the time is right. Maybe. So, should we head in? Oh, yeah, sure. I've listened to that song probably a dozen times this week and every time it grips my heart. I love that first verse. You never change. You are the God you say you are. When I'm afraid, you calm and still my beating heart. You stay the same. When hope is just a distant thought, you take my pain. You lead me to the cross. What love is this? Some question, some wonder. God, are you really the one you say you are? Are you really the one? We live in a world where it's so hard to take people at their word. It's hard to find a trustworthy person. A politician promises, especially on the campaign trail, to do all sorts of things. And then they get elected and find out it's not going to quite happen the way they thought, and we get disappointed. They fail to deliver, and we get upset. Your boss promises you a raise. Weeks, months, maybe years go by. doesn't materialize. doesn't happen. And again, we're let down. Your three-year-old stuffs a peanut butter and jelly sandwich into the VCR. (laughs) Been there, done that, and you have no idea why they did that. And they promise you, Mommy, Daddy, I will never do anything bad again. Uh Uh-huh. A spouse vows to be faithful and true, to have and to hold, for better, for worse, for rich or poor, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish, till death us do part. Well, that doesn't happen either. And we wonder, does anybody say what they mean and mean what they say anymore? Does anybody? When I was uh, in junior high, about 13 years old, I lived in St. Louis, Missouri, and uh, we moved quite a bit. My dad came to me, and he said, son, we're moving again. And I I was pretty upset. We lived in five different states up to that point. Not five different homes, five different states. And I'm in junior high. Remember junior high? And the the few friends I had, uh, I was going to have to leave them. My very first girlfriend, a little blonde named Ruthie, uh, I was madly in love with her. We were going to get married, and and I had to leave her. That was heartbreaking. And then to go from the big metropolitan area of St. Louis to the small town, Hibbing, Minnesota, way up in the northern part of Minnesota, 100 miles from the Canadian border, the small mining town, which was cold and harsh, and I didn't know a soul just killed me. It was so hard. And my dad looked at me and said, son, I know it's been tough on you, but I promise you, we're going to put roots down in Hibbing and we'll be there for for a long time. Well, less than three years later, we were moving again to another state. That wasn't the first or the last time that my dad said one thing and did another. Sometimes it's hard to trust people to find a trustworthy person. In a sketch we just saw, Kelly, the wife, she said to her husband, what he says, he will do. What Jesus says he will do. In other words, what he says he does. He always does. And the question that we wrestle with at times is, is that really true? Is Jesus trustworthy? Did he do what he said he would do? 
And will he do now what he promises to do for us? One of the things that's always fascinated me about the Easter story is how Jesus told his disciples over and over and over again that, that he was going to go to Jerusalem and that he was going to be treated poorly and crucified, and in three days he would rise again. In fact, in just the shortest gospel, the gospel of Mark, three times in Mark 8, Mark 9, and Mark 10, three times in three consecutive chapters of this small book, Jesus tells them, this is what's going to happen. I know it's going to be hard on you. Be ready, because it's not going to be pretty. I'm going to be crucified, but on the third day I will rise again. On the third day it's going to be all right. You'll be surprised. And, of course, that's precisely what he did. But it's like the disciples had some group amnesia or they just didn't get it or they were just beyond, they're brain dead. They didn't understand. Not until they saw Jesus alive again. What Jesus says, he does. What he says, he does. And we desperately need to remember that truth today of all days. I love the Easter story uh, in Luke chapter 24. In fact, it's one of my favorite accounts of it there. And I would encourage you to read it later on your own. It's a great chapter. It, it includes three different scenes, really, in this one chapter. But the beginning of Luke, ch chapter 24, let me read it to you, the first eight verses. It says, on the first day of the week, which would be Sunday, very early in the morning, probably before the sun was even up, the women took the spices they prepared and went to the tomb. It says they had prepared them. They had prepared them on the day that he was crucified. But Sabbath came, and they couldn't go because of the Jewish law. And so they were ready, but for an entire day, they couldn't go. And as soon as they woke up, as soon as they were able, about five or six or seven of these women got up to go to take care of the body of Jesus. They found the stone when they reached the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them, angels. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, I love this, why do you look for the living among the dead? He's here. He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And verse 8 says, then they remembered his words. Then they remembered what Jesus said. The ladies went to the tomb expecting to find the dead body of their friend, of their rabbi, of their Lord. But instead what they encountered were these two amazing angels, and they were terrified. You would be too. Remember the last time you got frightened somewhere and how that just freaked you out? I had this really terrible, I'm just going to confess to you, Terrible character flaw. I am, I am really bad about this. I love to scare people. I grew up with two brothers and a baby sister, and we used to scare each other all the time, and we made a game out of it. My grandson is inheriting that. He, now, he calls it sneak boo. And I, to this day, I'm 55 years old, and I still love to do sneak boo. And it's terrible, especially when I do it to my wife. But I'll tell you one little experience, only one of many. One day, I'm in the house alone. I, I go to the bedroom to get something. It, it's dark. Uh, the lights are off. I know what, what I want to grab off the dresser, which is just inside the door, so I don't turn the light on. As I'm reaching to take this thing off the dresser, I hear the garage door, and I realize my wife's home. <laughs> and this really sick thing in me rises up. <laughs> and I have this incredibly stupid idea. I'm going to just stand here in the dark and wait for her to walk in the bedroom. <laughs> now, I didn't jump out at her. I didn't scream. I didn't yell. I didn't have to. She walked in the room, not knowing where I was at, turned on the light, and this foreboding, ugly presence is there. And she fell immediately into this pool of drool, weeping and wailing and screaming. And I, at that moment, I felt bad. 
It's terrible. And, and that wasn't the last time I did it. It's terrible. I remember the last time you're frightened. These ladies, they're not only heartbroken, but they are frightened now. They are just terrified by what's going on. And these angels say, why are you here looking for the living among the dead? He is risen. Don't you remember what Jesus told you? And suddenly a light goes on for them. Suddenly a light goes on. And I, you can only imagine the look on their faces and the joy in their hearts as they realize, yes, he's, he's, he's alive. And at verse 8 says, then they remembered his words. It hits them like a tidal wave. What Jesus says, he does. What he said he would do, he did. Why does this matter for us? Why is this such a big deal? Why do we Christians for hundreds and hundreds, a couple thousand years, celebrate this day called Easter? Why is it such a big deal? As my grandmother used to say, what does this have to do with the price of peas in China? Why does it matter? What's the big deal here? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me answer it with a very simple reply. The empty tomb proves that Jesus did what he said he would do. He overcame death. He beat death. And because of that, we can trust him and put our hope in him and in his power. If he can beat death, he can beat anything. Romans 6, 9, Paul wrote, we know that Christ has been raised from the dead. By the way, the guy that wrote this once persecuted the church until he had an encounter with the living Christ on a road to, to Damascus. And says, we know, Paul says, I know that Christ has been raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. Death no longer has power over him. Because Jesus overcame the power of death, it means for you and me that he can overcome anything in us. Anything. If we'll only let him. You see, the hope of the empty tomb can become your hope today. Since Jesus beat death, there's nothing he can't do. That's the point of Easter. If he can beat death, then there's nothing else that's, that's greater. In our world, there's typically nothing bigger, better, or uglier than death. We do a lot to avoid it. We, we know we're, we're all destined for a day when we're going to leave planet Earth. Our mortality, the reality of our mortality is a reality. We get that. But we do everything we can to fight it because it's this scary big, ugly thing called death. But Jesus beat death. He beat the worst thing anyone could. In our culture, there's nothing worse, and yet Jesus said, I beat that. You can trust in me. I can beat death in you. There's no personal struggle or failure or sin too great for God. If he can beat death, there's nothing in you or me that is bigger or uglier or badder than his ability to overcome it in our lives. You and I can trust Jesus to change our lives. Because he's proven himself trustworthy, he did exactly what he said he would do. Many years ago, I had a guy come to me. He's very educated, very smart, very intelligent man. In fact, he was a doctor, not an MD, but had his uh, doctorate. And he, brilliant guy. But he came to me for help because his marriage was a disaster. He was drinking himself to death. And he said, I don't know what to do. I need help. And I told him what I'm telling you today. I said, the empty tomb proves that God can do anything. Jesus has the power to change you. And he shook his head. And, and, and I remember the look on his face. No, nah, I'm too far gone. I'm too messed up. I've done too many stupid things. It's too late for me. And I said, it's never too late. There's nothing too big for God. He can change you. If he can beat death, he can beat anything. The empty tomb proves that he has the power. Well, he shifted into another gear for a moment, into his intellectual gear. And he said, well, how do we know that the tomb is empty? Can you prove scientifically to me that Jesus is alive? And I said, listen, scientifically, no. To prove something scientifically, you have to be able to, to do it again, repeat it in a controlled environment. And that's not going to happen. I said, but there is overwhelming historical and personal evidence 
that Jesus is alive. Even the Romans and the Jews who hated him believed the tomb was empty. Overwhelming historical and personal evidence that Jesus is alive. And he said, what do you mean personal evidence? And I smiled and I said, countless millions. Not just a few here and there, countless millions throughout generations, throughout hundreds and hundreds of years have experienced the power of the cross and the power of the empty tomb, the power of God over death. And that day, my friend, his name was Don. Don became free from death, free from the power of death, a brand new person on the inside. And it happened by the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. Personally, I can tell you that my life too has been changed because of the power of the empty tomb, because of the power of God. There was a time when I was far from him, and the stench of death was all over me. I smelled like a dead, rancid animal. And I don't mean literally, I mean my soul, my spirit, my mind. I, I just, I, I reeked of death all around me. And everything I touched seemed to be dying as well. And you know what that smell of a rancid, dead animal is like? It's horrible. About a year or so ago, my wife and I were in our TV room, in our rec room. And we were watching TV and some stupid program on the idiot box. And I'm sitting in my lazy boy, and I've got my feet up, and I'm enjoying, you know, whatever. And all of a sudden, I see this thing move on the left, come scurrying into the room. And I looked at it, and I realized it was was a rat. Now, my wife, God bless her, she will tell you that it was just a tiny little mouse. She does not know what she speaks. It was huge. It was this vile ugly, plague-ridden rat, this massive creature came rushing into the... Now I hate rodents. I hate rats. I don't even like rabbits. I think they're in the same family. And so Easter's not so much fun for me because of all the rabbits around. And I hate rodents. So I see this rat come into the room, and I, I jump up, and I scream like a little girl. I kid you not. And I, and I get very Napoleonic, and I very directive. I told my wife, because the rat went underneath the closet. I said, woman, stand there and guard that door. Do not let that rat leave. I bolted to the garage... I grabbed the first weapon I could find. It happened to be a shovel. And I come rushing back in with this fairly large shovel. And I said, is the rat still there? She said, yes, sir, it is. We opened the, the, the doors and I began to pull the stuff out. No wonder the rat went there. Filled with junk and garbage. I'm pulling stuff out and a couple times I see the rat move and I jump back again. But now I have a weapon. And suddenly, and I kid you not, the rat ran right between my legs and up inside my lazy boy. I'm mortified. I'm imagining this rat's going to live there and eat my chair and and defecate in my chair. And it was was horrible. And so I took the shovel and I started pounding the chair. I'm become out, rat, come out. And my wife's standing back there just shaking her head. (laughs) Suddenly the rat came out and I took a a, a swing at him with the the shovel that I had, like a hammer. And I missed it. In fact, I left a mark on the wall. To this day, that mark is still on my wall. I think I've left it there to remind me. But I, I miss it with the, the shovel hammer thing, so I think I'm going to turn the shovel into a sword. Some of you, oh, I won't give you the gory details, but let's just say what was once one now became two. <laughs> I was the victor. And so I had the shovel, and I picked up both of the rats. And what I should have done was taken it outside the backyard and buried it someplace, but it was dark and I was lazy. And so I went in the garage, into the trash can, opened it up so the garbage man could deal with it later, plopped the dead you know, rat remains in the garbage can, and forgot about it until two days later. When I, yeah, when I went to empty the trash and I opened it up to drop a bag in there, and like an atomic bomb, I'm assaulted by this 
smell, this rancid, horrible stench, and it's filling the garage, and it's all over me. I walk into my house, and the wife, my wife says, what is that smell? I said, it's the vile, horrible rat that you made me kill, and it's all over me, and, and that, that smell of death, you know what I'm talking about, how rancid, how horrible that smell is, the stench of death. Listen to me. Here's the point of that little silly story. The stench of death is on, us all, on all of us. It's on some of us in our finances. We, we, we've experienced and are experiencing maybe now a death of dreams, of finances, and we don't know what to do. We feel that the stench, the death, the darkness in, in relationships, maybe with a spouse, a child, a parent, and that smell, that, that rancid, horrible thing is destroying something. We feel it in our bodies. Again, we all know we're dying and, and it's all, we're not getting better by the way, we're getting weaker and, and by the day. But we, some of us are struggling with physical issues that, have, that are tearing us apart and it's hard and that stench of death is already on us and some of us deal with the stench of death in our souls. The shame, the guilt of our past or present sin just hangs over us like that rancid, horrible smell of death. Death has left a stench on us all. But here's the thing I want you to hear today. Because Jesus overcame death, we can trust him to overcome death in us. Because Jesus overcame death, we can trust him to overcome death in us. What is it about this Jesus guy that we are so drawn to? His love, his mercy, his kindness, his goodness, yes, all of those things. But we are drawn to him as well because he's worthy of our trust. What Jesus said he would do, he did. What Jesus said he did, and he always does. Guys, this is the good news of Easter, that nothing in us is too hard for God. Nothing in you is too hard for him. When we can't overcome the death in us and all around us, we can rest and trust and put our hope in him because he can. Bow your heads and let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for sending Jesus for us. I thank you for the cross, for the fact that he suffered and bled and died and carried the burden of our sin on that cross. But God, I am so grateful that Friday is not the end of the story that it doesn't stop at the cross, that it, it draws us. We are taken to Easter, to Sunday. And that it is not just the, the fact that we have the forgiveness of your grace demonstrated on the cross, but we have the power you demonstrated by raising your son to life and that we can know that power today, that what you said you did and what you promised us to do, you will do. There's nothing too great in us, Lord, for you. Nothing beyond your ability to transform or change. Nothing too big for you to deal with in us. And God, there's some of us in this room or maybe watching online, we need to know the power that shakes off the grave clothes, that shakes off the death, that gives us the hope of new life. And I pray that in this moment right now, many would make a decision to say, yes, God, I need that life. I'm gonna ask you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Maybe you're here today and you've not yet started a life as a Christ follower, as a disciple of Jesus. Or maybe once upon a time as a kid or as a young person, you walked with God, but you know today you're far from him for a thousand reasons, whatever, but you're, you're not really walking with Jesus today. I want to invite you this morning, this Easter of 2012, to make a decision, to make a choice, 
to embrace the cross again, the forgiveness that can be yours, and to embrace the empty tomb, the power over death that can be yours, that God can do anything in you, and that if you just come to him, our part's to just come to him and to admit that we need a savior, we need his life, we need his strength, we need his power, we need his forgiveness and mercy. And if that's what you want today, I'm gonna pray a very simple prayer right now. I'm gonna ask you to just make this prayer yours. Make it personal as I pray these words. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me through the cross. I embrace the cross. I confess my sins. I confess my need for Savior. And right here, right now, I come and I admit, God, that, that the stench of death is all around me and I need your power to set me free from that. I need your life, your resurrection life in me and through me. And so I come and I surrender my life to you. I give it all to you. My past, my present, my future. I surrender. I give it all to you. I embrace you. Now, if that's your heart, that's your desire, in your own way, just right now say yes to God. Say yes, Lord, that prayer, what that guy said, that's me. That's what I want. Lord, for those making that choice right now, show them your goodness. Show them your grace. Give them eyes to see how great you are, that you're able to do anything in and through them, and that you have started something brand new in them today. And thank you, Lord, for what you've done and those of us that have already made that decision. We celebrate Resurrection Sunday because of you. We do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to finish with one of my favorite songs. It's a song that's called God is Able. And it's a declaration that there's nothing too big, too strong, too great for him. God is able. The ushers are going to come. We're going to give as we worship. It's our tradition here just to give to support the ministry of this church. And, but now would be the time to be visiting, visiting to put that tear-off tab or that prayer request in the bag as it goes by. But let's worship as we give, and I'll come back and wrap it up. God is able. He defeated the grave. That means there's nothing too hard, too strong for him. Some of you today experienced that grace, that power for the first time as you said yes to him. I want to encourage you to tell somebody, tell your friend, your family member, you're going to make their Easter. Let them know, hey, that, that guy, that prayer, I, I did that. Today I started my life as a Christ follower. Back on the tables to the right, there's a package that's for new Christians. Got a Bible, some material gets you started and walk with Jesus. We want to help you every step along the way. If you need prayer, or prayer team will be down front. There's communion on both sides of the room. A couple more things before we go. Next Sunday, our regular service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. 9 and 1045. Start a new series called Extravagant Love, and it's going to be fun. I encourage you to come back. My last prayer, my blessing on you today is may you go in the power of the resurrection. He is risen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming today.